Welcome to Ladies Kicking Assets Vodcast, where we are empowering women with financial education to live the lives that they want. We just want to thank you for joining us today, and we have a very special guest here. But before I introduce him, and though you may recognize him, we have a couple of housekeeping items that we'd like to cover. One, we are not financial um, advisors, and all of the information and content that's being brought to you today is for educational purposes and for you to take action on. And secondly, we ask that you would subscribe to our channel so that you can help us spread the word like wildfire. I'm here today with my partner, Courtney Moeller, and I'm Robin Binkley. Today, we have an incredible guest joining us. His name is Bronson Hill. Courtney, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about Bronson before we jump into our conversation. Well, I mean, Bronson can say much better information about Bronson. I was so, so fortunate to meet him at the Summit on Sand last summer, and he's such an incredible person. I don't know if you remember this, Bronson, but my husband and I, Joe, we were sitting there and you said, hey, can I have breakfast with you guys? And we have talked about that ever since. And Joe, we talk about what an incredible person you are. Just the fact that you, you stepped out there, you asked to have breakfast with us. And, you know, I've watched you grow so much over the course of this last year, you know, you are such a successful syndicator and you are literally the picture of what people want to want to do. You know, you were in this W2 job, you you've gone through these syndications, you've been able to quit that job and now you're traveling and you're doing all these incredible things. And it's been such an honor to watch all of these great things happen through your life. So with that being said, yeah, wow, thank you guys. I don't know what to say to that. Wow, I feel like you guys just totally built me up. Hopefully the interview doesn't disappoint. But I I just love you both you guys and your families and it's just so great to, you know, be in your network and be friends and to have, you know, worked on deals and just it's just so great to be in the same sphere as you guys. So you I love ladies kicking assets. That just gets me fired up. I want to see some ladies like kicking assets. I don't know what that looks like, but all the assets. picture like a woman like, kicking assets. kicking some asset and being like, "Oh, my foot hurts." But um, anyway, it's it's going to be awesome. So I'm really excited about this show today. Well, that's cool. Well, so I guess I'm really curious about how, you know, obviously you you just quit your job here pretty recently, right? Yeah. So I quit it in July. So I'd been doing medical sales for like 10 years and it was good, but it was the golden handcuffs. I just, it was hard to leave a job where you're getting paid over 200,000 a year. And I was working Mm -hmm. 30 hours a week and I was doing real estate on the side and we had, you know, our thousand doors or whatever. And then I was able just to say, you know what, I think it makes more sense. The upside is greater for me to just focus full-time on real estate and not have to do this other job. And I've just been so happy. I literally had a moment I was sitting at the, uh, actually where I'm sitting right now and I was working on some stuff and what came out of my mouth was, thank God I'm not doing that job anymore. So that's actually a good sign when you have that later, you're like, oh my gosh, this is actually really reaffirming to, to know that's happening. So what is that like Bronson from your background prior to medical sales, you were a youth pastor And I know that you have continued to um, be a strong man of faith and bring the Lord into your workspace. So what, what does that look like for you now, as you navigate those waters 
um, just in a different business line? Yeah. So I think that uh, in the past, and I, I loved when I was a youth pastor, I got to work with high school students. I really had a transformative experience when I was 16, where I really felt God calling out to me saying, I want you to follow me. So that's kind of really, and I grew up in a religious family, but it wasn't until that moment that it really became personal to me. And so I realized the high school age uh, is such a transformative time. You can make a decision, you, you know, for kids, you know, some people have kids this age, but you see they're, you know, with the skateboarders one week and then next week they're in the drama club and the next, it's, you can change, you can make so many decisions <laughs> right. and change so quickly, but being a part of that was really a lot of fun. But I think that I used to think that, you know, being a pastor was the highest calling that if you really had things going on, that's what you did. But then I, I realized that, you know, every single one of us are called to serve. We're called to ministry. And mm -hmm. some of us work at a church, some of us do real estate, some of us are doctors or teachers or lawyers. And I think it's just that, you know, if you are a person of faith, you believe, you know, that God is with you. He's in you. He goes with you everywhere you go. Yes. And so it's just being aware of his presence and inviting him into those spaces. So it's just amazing how, you know, from medical sales, even now with getting into people's finances and helping people to, you know, experience financial freedom or just better cash flow outside of, uh, you know, outside of the stock market. I think it comes through when you're doing something, not just for material reasons where people can tell you're not just necessarily, you're trying to live the yachts and Mai Tai lifestyle, which there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but you know, purpose and the why is such a big driver. And when you have a, a driver that's beyond just, it's, it's more than you, right. It's, it actually has something to do with making an impact in the world. So that's, I guess that's kind of a thread that kind of goes through my, all of my career, whether it's, you know, youth pastor, medical sales, and now it's just really trying to help people in a way uh, that you can bring, you know, Jesus to them. You can bring, you know, life and joy and really help them with what they need. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. So, um, I have a quick question. Um, what made you realize, you know, so you're, you're working your job, you're, you're in the medical sales. What made you decide to transition out of that? Or, or what made you realize that there was a different way or a different path to even go down? Yeah. So I, uh, had a plan. I, I really wanted to go to do real estate. I'd had a single family house for a number of years. It was a rental house in another state. So over 10 years, I had this house and looking back, I realized, man, that was actually, that turned out pretty well. It appreciated an equity, had some cash flow each month. I was like, that's pretty nice. I'd love to do more of that. Mm -hmm. So I started doing single family. I got a mentor here where I live in LA and started buying single family houses in Cleveland and the numbers looked amazing. And then I realized like how much work it was and that, you know, tenants weren't great. And these were not like the best areas of Cleveland. So I realized like it wasn't necessarily, you know, it didn't actually work out the way that it penciled. There was always more repairs. You know, tenants didn't pay. There were issues going on with it. And there was kind of a, a, you know, I look at it like a God moment where I had an encounter with a kind of a, a relative who, um, you guys may have met him on the summit. His name is Wes. And yes. so he came along. And so he's been doing, you know, multifamily for 25 years. And he says, well, you know, your plan to get 30 houses, that was my plan to get 30 of these single family houses. He's like, that's, and, and retire with passive income. He's like, that sounds like a lot of work. He's like, why don't you do multifamily? And I said, well, I'd love to, but I don't have the money. And he said, well, you can raise the money. And he said, you know, go to this, uh, you know, real estate guys event, listen to this podcast, read this book, whatever. So I just did everything he said. And then I just, I started to meet up locally and kind of found my first investor through that. And so I think just seeing the benefits of the ability to scale beyond what you have. I mean, I've seen my net worth increase by like 15 X over the last four or five years. So it's just, it's really been an amazing road. And I think the idea that even seeing that that was possible that, wow, I can actually replace my living expenses with passive income, which has happened. And now I'm able, as I do more deals, I'm able to cover the kind of the business expenses. And then over time you just see, uh, it, you know, it's, it's not a get rich quick 
scheme. It's more of like a, like a get wealthy over time and help people along the way and create value. So it's, it's been a lot of fun though. And it's, you know, I describe to people what I do that are not in our, in the world that we're in. They're kind of like, Oh are you a realtor or do you do right. flipping or everybody thinks you're a flipper or you're a realtor or something? I was like, no, I really don't do either. We buy apartment buildings and it just, you know, we syndicate and raise lots of money. And so it's, it's some people can't really get their head around it. But to me, I, I had no idea what syndication was about five years ago. And then when I got introduced, I was like, oh, wow, this actually makes sense how this could work. Right. Well, I had no idea what that term meant two years ago. I didn't either. And we've been investing in real estate for years, but I did not understand nor had I ever heard of syndicating. And so um, it's amazing to me uh, as I've, as I've learned all the things that are syndicated in our world. I, who would have thought everything. Yeah. Everything, Everything. movies and, you know, well, this totally goes back to the whole, you know, we are not given a financial education, you know, um, Joe and I, we've, we've done really well with our investments and things like that. But when I really, you know, I came to the summit, I learned what syndication was. And then I really kind of learned, you know, the cash flow quadrant and how, Mm -hmm. you know, you can strategize on your taxes, but strategize in your investments and everything as well. And, you know, then I turned around and I've actually invested in one of your apartment syndications, Bronson. So that was my very first apartment syndication that I got involved in. And it's literally, you know, we, it all comes back to, you know, putting yourself in the situations and around the people that you need to be around where you can learn and then implement those things. And that, you know, the people that are going to enrich and grow your life. And so, um, (laughs) and not just, not just financially, which is great. Um, but, spiritually and emotionally and, and everything else. I feel like I am a completely different person than I was even just a year ago. And through all of the things that I have learned and the people that I have spent my time with in this last year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, sorry, uh, I was just going to say, so do you only do multifamily or tell me, tell me some of your favorite investments and some of the different asset classes that you like to be involved with? Yeah. So for our kind of our core business, I call it the bread and butter of uh, investing or real estate. I, I love multifamily syndication because of the tax benefits. Um, just like yeah, I was able to basically pay you know, almost virtually no taxes the last several years and save 150K on taxes or more just total, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the inflation hedge principle there, which is amazing. So as they print more and more money, you get to use debt to go buy these properties, which is great. It's very similar uh, I've invested in self-storage as a passive investor. I passively invest as well. So I've invested in some self-storage. Mm-hmm. I just recently did a Bitcoin mining fund, which I know you're excited about, Courtney, yeah. because I've actually done some that. that. I started owning some Bitcoin. But um, I would say, you know, the investments I like, we also do an ATM machine fund, which uh, is with uh, the fifth largest operator of ATMs in the country. So we're doing that which has been a lot of fun as well, very high cash flow. And then I'm continuing to just research. I just I was, had somebody on my, my show, the Mailbox Money Show recently, talking about uh, vineyards. They actually own, they syndicate vineyards in mm-hmm. Texas yeah. or in the, in the wine country of Texas. So, um, so, you know, there's a lot of interesting things out there, but I think the thing that's really important to look at is whatever you invest in, I mean, real estate is great because of what it does for us, right? It's not that real estate, like I just figured, oh my gosh, I'm in love with real estate. It's like, no, it's like what real estate does, the tax advantages, the inflation hedge, the greater returns. There's so many, you can use debt to get it. It just, to me, feels like an unfair asset class. So within real estate, you know, there's development, there's all kinds of different stuff out there that uh, I know you guys are involved in a lot of that stuff as well. So mm-hmm. it really is something that, you know, when somebody's new to it, it can feel a little overwhelming, or you can feel like you have shiny object syndrome. It's like, oh, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to go over here, or I'm going to invest in this, or do wholesaling or flipping or whatever. And then once you kind of get settled and you're like, okay, I'm going to focus on 
this one thing or these couple things, I think it makes a lot more sense because then you start to get to know that market. You start to get to know that product. But once you have a familiarity, especially as a passive investor of these are generally the type of returns I'm looking for. This is generally the horizon I'm looking for the time horizon. You kind of, kind of figure out where you fit and what you're looking to do. Well, I think that, I'm oh, sorry, Courtney. Go no, ahead. go ahead, Robin. Well, I was going to say, um, I think that, you know, so many people who began investing, they don't even know what they don't know. The whole financial education piece. I mean, it's, we're not taught that in school. We all know this, um, but, you know, we pride ourselves in sending our kids to great schools, great colleges. What kind of a job are you going to get? Um, and what, one of the most valuable things that we can teach ourselves is how to leverage our time um, and have our assets work for us. And so um, Courtney's got the cash flow quadrant um, behind her. And I was just hoping, we were hoping, Bronson, that you could kind of talk us through just maybe kind of in a, in a real quick snippet, um, you know, about how you've sort of navigated that. Um, certainly you had Wes involved in your life, um, investing in multifamily, and you've been involved in real estate. But when, when did that pivotal shift occur for you in understanding using other people's money to get the kinds of returns that you're really desiring to have. Yeah. I was going to make a joke about Jerry Maguire when he said, show me the money. <laughs> well, <laughs> show me really the money. Fit, so. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I've loved uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's books. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was great. I think Cashflow Quadrant, which is what you have on your screen there, according to the ESBI, uh, for those not familiar, the employee, the self-employed, the business owner, or the investor. And you actually have the percentages of the amount of tax they're paying as well. So employees, mm -hmm. 40%. I'm just going to read it because some people will be listening to this. Yeah, self-employed, yeah. 60%. Business owner would be 20%. And investor is zero. I love it. It doesn't even say 0%. It says zero, which is like awesome. Zero. Uh, just zero <laughs> is zero. There's no, no zero with dollars. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, so I was, I was an E, um, you know, I was a well-paid professional making good money, uh, had a, a good job, good benefits, all that. A lot of people stayed in there, there are pensions or all kinds of things. People stay in the industry for a long time. They wanted to make me a manager. I was like, no, I don't want to become a manager in a nice way. I just like what I'm doing now. And I liked the autonomy of being able to manage my schedule, but I was still working hard. And then after a lot of the medical sales jobs I did for about six to 12 months, you're working you know, 50 hours a week, you're working pretty hard. And then, you know, as I kind of get to it, it was more like, you know, 30 hours a week, it would kind of, you know, you could work more. And I, I won some awards. I was a top performer. So it was really hard for me when I started doing real estate on the side to like not be a top performer, to not be top 10%, because I got top 10% about half the time I was in sales. So there's some great skills that I learned in that, which I think was really valuable. Um, Robert Kiyosaki also says that the most valuable skill that we can learn as entrepreneurs, and if you syndicate or if you do real estate, or if you have a business, you are an entrepreneur is, mm -hmm. is sales. That really is the most important skill. And so that was very helpful. And I think when I first started selling, it was more about just giving people feature and benefits and here's why you should do this. Here's why you should buy a product. And I didn't really get very far. And then I switched it to just basically have a very much a questions based kind of Socratic approach. Hey, tell me about this problem. Do you face this? Do you have what, what do you do with this? And then you realize, I realized people were just telling me all of their significant problems and it really kind of opened up and then they'd be like, yeah, well, what's your name again? What are you doing? And then, so they would introduce me to the uh, you know, the person who was in charge. So it was a way to get kind of get past the gatekeeper when you go into a medical office. Uh, so that was kind of a different world I lived in at the time. But I kept saying, you know, I'm making all this money for, uh, you know, other people. Because I know at the end of this, I have this product. And I always said, man, if I had my own product, I could do really well. I would sell it. I could kind of bring it all together. And so what I did is I found a partner who had a big, uh, you know, I, I'd raised a little bit of money for a deal, but I found a partner who had a big, uh, 
platform and like 40,000 people on his email list. And I basically said, Hey, how's it going raising money? And they just didn't have a good, you know, program set up to, for how to raise, how to raise money from these individuals. And so I basically started taking calls. We would schedule them. We kind of created more content, did things. And I'd take, you know, 15 to 20 calls a week, even while working my regular job. So at mm-hmm. six in the morning or 3 PM or 7 PM or weekends or whatever, I just, you know, some days I would literally stack a Tuesday and I'd have calls from 7 AM to 5 PM. And that's pretty exhausting. Even if, if, even if you're a people person, like I am, that's a, that's a long day. Cause you're having mm-hmm. basically the same conversation with all these people. So I kind of try to stagger them, but it was really helpful to learn. It was helpful to learn about kind of how that process works and then we were able to raise, you know, fifteen million dollars over the next uh, eighteen months and buy a bunch of properties. So it was really great. But anyway, going back to your question as far as the, uh, the cash flow quadrant there. So as I did that, I was basically able to move from the E quadrant to the I quadrant. So some people kind of go to the B or they go to the S. I was able to when it's it really interesting when you're in real estate or you have a real estate business, you can get pretty quickly as long as you're doing more hours in the real estate business than you're doing for your you know other business then there's something called the IRS designation, which is called the real estate professional, which allows you to basically to write off any sort of passive tax losses against ordinary income, which most people cannot do. They can only write it against other passive gains. If you sell a house and you had, a, you know, you have a big gain there and you have to pay taxes on it. If you had another property, you had a loss, you could basically use that to cover. But because of the way we do multifamily, we get these passive losses. It was able to cover. And so I moved a lot of stuff there. I'm still working, but then I did that. And when I finally left, um, I was able, actually the last several years, I was able to do it where I was working more in real estate than I was working as an employee. So anyway, that's a lot of information, but that's kind of how I made the journey. Well, no, but I think it's really helpful because I think so many people kind of look at you and, and look at those that uh, we align ourselves with and they think, how can I do that? You know, I, well, I mean, I, how do and I, do I think it? one of the other issues too, is, you know, even as, you know, Joe and I are working and we're investing, you know, we did your typical, you know, like 401ks, we would yeah. buy stocks. And I had no idea that I could invest in apartment complexes and not only get a passive income from that, but then have these huge tax advantages from it as well. I just, mm-hmm. I had no idea that there were these other investment vehicles that were so much better and that provided such greater returns and other benefits. So that has really really, you know, opened our eyes up to so many other possibilities and kind of sent us on a completely different trajectory than we were originally on. And once you figure that out, it's, it's life-changing and you can multiply your net worth, you know, 15 X in a very short time period. And it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that's really fun about it too, is you get to partner with people. So it's like, you know, the investors that are on our deals, like we get to have kind of do things together. And if we do well, we all do well together. And it's kind of different than the wall street model. That's just like, you're just, you know, just investing money into this thing or this 401k, whatever the person who's managing it probably is not invested at all in what they're managing, which is kind of weird. And there's no incentives tied in there. So whether it makes money or doesn't like they just want you to keep the money. And that's why a lot of financial advisors, which for a few years in the past, I was a financial advisor. A lot of it's just, you know, getting people to try to buy and hold and try to managing their temperament versus let's get you in a better asset that actually performs better over the long term and nice. is, you know, has all these great benefits. And I think it's just a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so rewarding when you start getting those phone calls and those emails that say, oh my gosh, thank you so much. This return has been so phenomenal. Or, you know, when they get their K1 and there's bonus depreciation and they're like, oh my gosh, this was amazing. You know, thank you for bringing this investment opportunity to me. And so to know that you're making an impact in somebody else, else's lives is, is so rewarding as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Mm. That is so true. Well, you know, um, there are so many different asset classes that you had mentioned um, a few minutes ago, but one of the things that I find most amazing about multifamily um, as our um, world and our economy is Mm. changing by the minute, you know, is that housing, existing housing is running out and or it has become so exponentially expensive it's mm-hmm. almost out of reach for an average individual. Um, and that's somebody that's newly launching into wanting to go buy a home or a townhome or a condo or if folks who have, you know, well-paying jobs. And so, you know, multifamily is certainly um, an amazing, an amazing opportunity to get into from an investment standpoint, Um as, as a, as a vehicle. I mean, I've found that myself, um, you know, with our personal investments. So, so would you say that that's a pretty safe place to park some money to maybe hedge against inflation? Yeah. And, I mean, and I, the prices we're seeing right now. Yeah. This, we actually just talked about this recently. We, uh, we were doing a lot of work in Jacksonville, Florida now, and just love Jacksonville. We've had yes. the property we sold, you know, last year, bought it in March for 27 million, a large multifamily sold over 37 and a half million, only 10 months later. So that was obviously a home run, but just in general, uh, we're seeing rents rise. I mean, a lot of, you know, we're, we're working a couple of properties now, uh, that, you know, rents have been around, you know, $900, a month on average, and yet we're seeing comps of renovated units in the, the $1,400 range. Mm-hmm. So that's almost like a 50% rent increase. And what really sustains that is, and I was just talking to one of my partners about this, is that uh, you know wages are also rising pretty significantly as well. So it's not just mm-hmm. that you know rents are rising because it's not sustainable unless wages rise. Or wages are starting to rise in these markets too. But uh, so it depends where you're buying. I mean, I think that's one thing is you know where you're buying. But just as a whole in the country, we're short somewhere between six and eight million apartment units or housing units in general. So where are these going to come from? Right? They can't build them fast enough. And and also the question is it going to be cheaper to build than it is right now? And some of the stuff that we're buying. A lot of it's actually below replacement costs because you can't you can't build in Jacksonville for right. less than one hundred sixty yeah. or one hundred eighty thousand mm-hmm. a door. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, that means we're we're actually getting stuff now. We can actually enjoy the cash flow the next couple of years doing the renovations. And uh, again, I, I think it's uh, you know something that our friend Russell Gray says is that you know the idea of, of buying assets that pay you to hold them to go from cash to asset to cash flow. And there's really a couple major positives of apartments is that it's very, very easy to, to get debt on apartments. You, we do not have done to pay cash. It's typically 20 to 25% down. So if we have, you know, a $10 million apartment, we put two, two and a half million dollars down. If the property goes up to 12 or 12 and a half million, we basically doubled the equity. So again, a 20% or 25% increase in the value can double the amount of equity you have in a deal, which is just amazing. And that's the thing that we know is, is they've just printed and created so much money in the last couple of years, somewhere between 30 and 40% of all the currency that exists was created physically or digitally in the last two years. So if that happens, that means everything is going to continue to cost more. I don't think it's just that we're going to have a high and thing, and there will be some fluctuations. I think single family, there could be some affordability issues potentially that could cause single family to go down in, in the kind of the short term. But for the long term, we know everything is going to cost more. And mm-hmm. so the fact that you hold these, there's an inflation hedge, you get to use leverage, uh, you pay it, you pay off the debt in future dollars that are worth less, and mm-hmm. you know the property is going to be worth more. 
Uh, there's just so many, I, I call it just like the, it's like an unfair asset class. It's just, there's so many positives to it. Right. And I, and I, I didn't realize that for the longest time, you know, I was all about saving my money and I love, you know, my 13 year old, his favorite thing is, you know, savers are losers. And I'm so <laughs> proud of that, but it's because if you leave your money parked in a savings account, you're actually losing purchasing power. And so moving it over into multifamily, like you said, I mean, you can double your equity very, very quickly. So um, it's actually a, the, one of the best ways to preserve your wealth and a very smart place to park your money. Well, and it's something that really has changed. I remember my grandmother, when I was eight or nine years old, walked here, we went over to the bank and she helped me open up a bank account, right? So it was a different generation. It's very emphasis on savings and what are we doing? That's been like the prudent thing. But now it's like, how much debt can you take out in a, you know, like not bad debt, like credit card debt to buy toys, but like how much, how much debt can you get to go buy real estate? How much can you get to go, you know, like the rules have really changed. If you hold money, you said cash is trash or savers are losers. So mm-hmm. if I have a hundred thousand in the bank and inflation is 10 to 20%, you know, we're not exactly sure what it is, but let's yeah. say is that you're losing 10 to $20,000 a year. So yeah. uh, the, the rules have really changed. The rules Absolutely. have changed drastically. So Bronson, along your, along your path, you've come across some amazing folks who've poured into you. Who, who are your mentors? Um, because I know certainly you're mentoring others. Um, mm-hmm. But who, who've had some powerful impact in your life? Right. So I mentioned my cousin, uh, Wes, who's been amazing. And he, mm-hmm. you know, it's just kind of been helpful to walk through stuff. I have a, uh, somebody I lead a co-lead, I, I co-lead a, a meetup with in Pasadena, California. If anybody lives in Southern Cal, you can come check us out. We do a multifamily meetup once a month called Phoebe, F-I-B-I. You can find it online, but her name is Christina Suter. She's been a friend and a mentor over the years. And then uh, the way I look at it, it's really interesting. I have mentors that are mentors for different things, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I feel like we can learn from anybody. Sometimes like I'm really into fitness. So I do these obstacle course races. So I find different people that can help me with that. Uh, I find people that can help me you know, with my spirituality. Or one time I had a, uh, you know, a, like a spiritual director. So I'd go meet with them once a month. And mm. unlike a, uh, unlike a, somebody who's a therapist, who's looking at your, you know, your, your feelings and your relationships, this is like talking about your relationship with God and just kind of like mm-hmm. listening and stuff. And it was really good. So there's different people. I kind of get different coaches and mentors. Uh, but you know, anybody who's around me that I'm, that's doing something that is something that I think there's value there, they can become a mentor. And I think the biggest mentor, uh, one of the biggest mentors, a lot of people don't take advantage of is reading. And I was reading this book. I know you, I think you guys read it in your group recently with the real estate guys, but it's the, um, I think it's called the art of impossible, uh, Mm -hmm. by Stephen Kotler. And one thing he says, he talks about the ROI on reading. He says for every book that he writes, it takes him, you know, I don't know how many thousand hours to write this book. So in fact, if I read this book in over five hours, I've got like a 200x return on my investment as far as how much it is. So it's really amazing when I, so I try to spend about somewhere between 10 and 30 minutes a night reading. And I've been able to get through a lot of books. My goal this year is 60 books. So we'll see if I make it, but I'm going for it. Oh, but, that's awesome. Uh, Mine's 50. Yeah, 50. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. But, it, but I think it's like it, when you read a book, uh, especially if it's informational or maybe it's a biography, you get a, you, you, it's like somebody's a tutor there just walking you through their life or what they've done or how to do something. And it's so valuable. So I have so many mentors. I have 60 mentors this year of different, you know, people I can learn from how they've done things. So it's really, it's really fun. I love that. Tying the author to be your mentor. 
Um, well, and we were just talking about, um, with our last guest about how you radiate out what you put in. And right. so, um, you know, I've really done a whole 360 on where, you know, where I spend my extra time and I'm always got some kind of podcast or audible going and, you know, I'll go for a walk and have my books playing on audible and, and it's really changed my life. I mean, it's really just poured so much education and enlightenment into me. And I feel like it's really, I've really stepped up my game in this last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it can't be underestimated. I think that I watch people that read a lot, and it's just like they, you know, there's a saying, and this is by a guy named Tommy Tremendous Jones, which is a the nickname Tremendous, <laughs> but he would say you're you'll be the same five years from now, except for the books you read and the people that you meet. And so yeah. it's the idea of networking and education, and the best way ongoing education is through. Uh, books. And I, I do read some in, in person. Sometimes I want to exercise or I drive, I'll listen to audiobooks, And so yeah. that's another way I do a lot of biographies or story-based stuff, but there's just so many ways you can just get amazing information. And it's important to just surround yourself with, with good books. It, it, well, that, and you said, you know, you, even when you meet people, so I see you at all the events that I go to. And then I know you're always at so many others, but that's one of my favorite things about going to these events. I never know who I'm going to meet and it's always so rewarding. And I meet such phenomenal people. Um, in fact, I got an email this morning from a girl that sat next to me at the last syndication event and, uh, we're going to connect, but I'm just always blown away at, you know, the things that people are doing and what they're accomplishing. And, and when you get in a room full of like-minded people, it's, incredible, the strategizing and everything that comes from that. I'm, I'm blown away every single time I just walk away with, wow, I'm so glad that I went to that. And I'm so glad that I met X, Y, and Z. And it's, it's always very fulfilling. Yeah. Well, it's taking that action, you know, Mm -hmm. it's taking that action because you, you can read a lot and you can attend a lot of seminars, But if you don't do something with what you're hearing and learning and being stretched on, then it's just that it's, it's, it's great information and maybe good for a conversation, but you haven't really done anything with it. And so I love the fact that, you know, um, each of us here has taken action, extreme action and and it's, and it's been powerful. And, you know, yesterday we were um, having a conversation with our guests and we were talking about the power of the influential people who are in your lives and, and how you change those peer circles um, and how that really molds and changes you, you know, our, all each of us um, and, and where that's taken each of us, you know, over our, our own financial journey to reach our, reach our goals. So Bronson, we've had a lot of great information from you, but what, what would be one or two points that you could share uh, before we close um, with our viewers um, for folks that wanted to take next steps, um, maybe for that new investor that um, may have only had investments in Wall Street? Um, what golden nugget could you share with them? And then take that perhaps a step further for that seasoned investor that's getting ready to either be in their first syndication. What, what could you share to that individual? Because we have viewers at different levels. Yeah, well, I think you said it. It's just the, you know, what action steps are you going to take? So I think it's all just information. It's all just events, unless we actually do something with it. So I think that, you know, making a plan to actually go to a local meetup. Um, I think a lot of people listen to a lot of podcasts or they listen, they watch a lot of stuff on YouTube, but they don't actually do anything. So typically if you're in any, any sort of major metro 
or you're near a major metro, there's going to be some sort of real estate meetup or a multifamily or other sort of alternative investing meetup. You just, you go, you never know who's going to be in the room. You never know what the topic, you know, you never know what's, what's going to happen. And so I think that's a big thing. And then, um, I just have this question. I have a relative who's one has some money and some equity in a property and wants to do a fourplex. And I said, you know, before you do any of this, I said, why don't you go to like, just start going to some meetups and go to some, like even one day or two day, like national conferences. And there happened to be one in Seattle where he lives. And I said, Hey, this is a one day event. And it's, you know, he's like, Oh, it's almost $200, you know, for one day event. I said, well, I said, like, you know, there are people that are flying from all over the country to do this. This is an investment in your education. And so I spend, I mean, probably this year, I will probably spend about 50K going to events and doing masterminds and meetups and all, you know, all kinds of things. Because uh, I think you mentioned that, according you were talking about it, like the idea of like, you know, who's in the room and, you know, you never want to be the smartest person in the room. And if you are, you need to find a new room, right? So it's yep. really the idea of just taking action and going for it. But I think that uh, it's not necessarily a paid course or mentorship and people do those. And I think that's great. But I also think that just by going to events, by learning, by asking questions, by being very curious, uh, the next steps will open up. So I think the first thing is to go and just be open to learn, have an openness, talk to as many people as you can. And then somebody who's further along, who's kind of done that for a while, I think it's important to really look at your allocation and just see, okay, of my stocks, bonds, you know, all my investments, how much do I want to be invested into real assets? And my own, I'm not giving anybody any specific advice, but I'm putting more and more and more and more into real assets and less into paper assets, because I just think that paper assets, uh, there's going to be a, uh, it could be a lot of drama with paper assets and investing. I don't like drama, right? I like just having, you know, they say good investing should be watching paint dry. You know, it's, it's yeah. not like, you know, if you want excitement, go to Vegas and put $500 on something, but you know, in, investing should be like watching paint dry. <laughs> Very good tips. I appreciate all that. And so um, lastly, before we wrap up, I do want to mention that I saw a post from you where you had recently invested in Bitcoin. Uh-huh. So for you. I have, yes. Oh, and then you set a fund. So are you in a mining <laughs> fund or did you actually buy Bitcoin? I need to yeah. know this. So I two things. So <laughs> I, well, I'll say this uh, for me, I, I've been kind of anti- crypto and anti-Bitcoin. And, you know, sometimes I think the best thing is when you, you learn and you realize like, oh, maybe there's reasons for this. But the biggest thing that really got me recently was the Canadian truckers and even yeah. some of the Russian money that you realize that like, you know, they can freeze people's assets that weren't even in the Canadian trucker. They just, they gave money to a cause. So what happens if politically that something weird happens? was completely legal. Yeah. It was crazy. So the idea of like, but I realized you know, your money is not your money if it's if it's in a financial system. So I do a lot of physical metals, mm-hmm. uh, you know, physical metals, not ETFs, but physical metals. Me too. And and then I also do, you know, I've started buying some Bitcoin and getting it off an exchange so that it, you know it's, it can be hacked and pulled off an exchange and different things. Yeah. So I have some, but it's just the idea that you have some money outside of the financial system that if you needed it, you're able to access it. And I think the time to do it is before you need it. And so, and then also, uh, as you mentioned, you know, I, I am in a Bitcoin mining fund and my kind of illustration I give for this is a lot of people that made money, you know, the gold rush in California in the 1900s, 1800s. Um, cause again, we're kind of in a gold rush when it comes to Bitcoin and other things, it yeah. wasn't necessarily people that bought or, you know, mined for gold themselves is people that supplied picks and shovels and services. And right. so this, this Bitcoin mining fund, it basically, you get your money back, hopefully within the first 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. And you're basically providing centers, data centers for 
Bitcoin miners. And it has you know, a fair amount of upside if Bitcoin goes up, if it goes down, you're capped on the downside. It's, it's a, quite a downside protection. So I, I liked it. And a lot of people that I really respect were doing it. So I was like, here's a way I can kind of get involved without, you know, kind of kind of dip my toe in and see how it goes. But the more I, I'm learning about Bitcoin, the more I, I like it. So you're like, okay, I'm in. I, I'm in. I've yeah. been in for a while. You're all in. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, well, Courtney's like, she's the, she's the blockchain babe. So she's in our, she in our circle. So. <laughs> so of course she's yeah. in. So. so many things we can talk about. So I know. Bronson, how, how can folks get in touch with you? Um, share yeah. with us how, how um, our viewers can get in touch with you and access your business. Yeah. So you can go to bronsonequity.com. And uh, I also, I wrote this report called the single best investing strategy during and after a pandemic. And that's a report that I wrote. I'm working on a new report about how to, to use inflation to your advantage. It's going to talk about some strategies of using debt and basically, you know, different ways you can kind of get out of cash and just really use it actually to your advantage. So, um, but you can go to Bronson Equity and check that out and bronsonequity.com. And I look forward to connecting with anybody who's interested passively investing in our deals or actively uh, investing and just any way I can be a resource. I'd love to help in any way I can, or maybe we'll meet at a meetup at some point or some sort yes. of national event. Yes. So. Thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks yep. so much for having me on. I love what you guys are doing here and uh, ladies kicking assets. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> show. This is going to be awesome. So thanks we for having me too. on. It's a real honor. Yes, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much.